Bible, would you turn with me, please? Join me in your Bible in Luke chapter 2. Now, obviously, for those of you that are part of our church, you know that uh, we began this last Wednesday night. And uh, I, I knew going into it that I wasn't going to finish. And uh, so we kind of just uh, slowed down a little bit. I didn't want to rush through it. And, um, but I do want to finish it this evening. And you say, well, Christian, that you're, you're preaching almost like a Christmas text, but it's after Christmas. Well, I want you to know that technically, technically, let me say a couple of things. It's never a wrong time to preach anything surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus. Number two, it really technically isn't a Christmas text. Because this happened after the birth of Christ. This narrative that we're going to look at tonight and finish, we started last week, really happened. Uh, it was it's 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 connected, but yet it's it kind of stands on its own. And there's a gentleman that we're introduced to here, and we began talking about him. We introduced him last week, and I call him Simeon, the uncommon man. Now, why did I call him the uncommon man? Well, we learned last week that he had a common name. Simeon was a, a name from uh, several in this era, in this time frame, there in Israel. Some who were popular spiritual leaders, religious leaders. There's a lot of question as to which Simeon this really is. Is this the Simeon that was the leader of the Sanhedrin? <clears throat> we don't know. Is this the leader who was the father of Gamaliel? We don't know. Some say this was a Simeon who was a descendant, the son of Hillel. Hillel being one of the one of the mainline religious teachers in Israel at this time. We don't know. We do know that this man Simeon, the Bible, uh, is pretty clear about some things about Simeon regarding his character, his piety, his desire for the Lord, his walk with God, his his personal integrity. So look in verse 22. When the days of Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. <laughs> this is interesting to me. That they brought the Son of God. Uh, they brought the Son in order to present Him to the Father. Right? And so when you think about these things, it, it, it kind of you know causes you to pause and think. As it is written in the law of the Lord, verse 23, every male that openeth the womb, every firstborn male shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, this is where we're introduced to sin. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Holy Ghost was upon him. We learned last week what all that was all about. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah or the Lord's anointed one. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he, Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms. And he blessed God. And he said, I like verse 29, Now, Lord, 
Now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And then verse 32, he begins to describe, give some descriptions about Jesus, some, some, some statements, some phrases to emphasize the uniqueness of Jesus. Now, notice this, verse 32. Jesus is a light to lighten the Gentiles. The glory of thy people Israel. And then verse 33 is interesting. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of Jesus. In other words, they were, they were a bit carried away with what Simeon was saying about Christ. In verse 34. And Simeon blessed them. And said unto Mary his mother, Behold, or listen up, pay attention to this, he was saying. This child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And notice verse 35, we're going to circle back to it in just a second. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul, also. Who's he speaking about? He's not speaking about Christ, about Christ's soul being pierced. Who, who was he addressing that statement to? I want you to think about it. Father. He's addressing it to Mary. And he said, I want you to know that the day is going to come when a sword is going to pierce your soul cause of this child, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So we learned last week, we talked about two distinct things in unveiling and discussing this man, Simeon. We talked last week about he, that he exuded an uncommon piety. There were words used in the text by the Holy Spirit. It's called a just man. That means righteous. He's called a devout man. That means he was fully consecrated to God. It says about him that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, was upon him. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, that was unusual because until the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did not come upon or indwell every single believer. Not until the day of Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit was on this man. The Holy Spirit was in this man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. That was interesting. That was unique. That was different. The implication was that different from all other Old Testament believers, right, that he was empowered, filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit in such an unusual way. One writer talked about pre-Pentecost empowering by the Lord. And that's different. That's unique. Why? Well, why did the Holy Spirit feel such a freedom to operate in and on this man like that? It's because of his piety, his integrity, his walk with God. And so then we learn that he not only exuded an uncommon piety, but Simeon exemplified an uncommon patience. The scripture talks about in verse 25 and 26 that he waited, he yearned, yearned, absolutely 
yearn for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean, the consolation? We learned last week that the word consolation means hope or encouragement. It's really the word that we, we get the word. It's close to the word paraclete or paracleo. It means to call somebody along your side, to come, come to your side so that you can literally put your arm around them and encourage them and give them a hope and help. Verbal encouragement. Here's how we say it. You're going you're gonna to breathe some life and encouragement into them. And, and, and the whole picture in the Old Testament about the hope of Israel. Well, man, what was the hope of Israel? Every Old Testament Jew who knew God knew that, 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 that God was going to send one day, ultimately, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And he would be, here it is, the consolation. He'd be the hope. He'd be the one who just by his very coming, by his very appearing on the scene in Israel, he would automatically lighten and brighten every heart of the devout Jewish person who longed for the Messiah to come. And the Bible says that this man, Simeon, is walking with God. He's elderly. He's a senior adult, we would say. He had walked with God for many years. He was true. He was genuine. He was devout. He had integrity. And this whole time, he's longing for, he's longing for Jesus to come on the scene. This is one, his one motivation. He's longing for, waiting, he's just waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the Messiah to come. So that brings us to our third truth tonight. And here's where we pick up. Simeon experienced an uncommon privilege. He experienced an uncommon privilege. Now this is what's interesting. The Bible says that just at the right time. I want you to think about that. He comes in and enters this area in the temple. Who is it that he sees? Who, who is it just at the right time? We, we, I, I say a coincidence, and you know there's no coincidences. There are no coincidences with the Lord. But this man who has longed literally all his life to be alive when Christ arrived and, and to be a firsthand witness. No, he wasn't at the manger. He, he wasn't there the night Christ was born, but he was there at the right time place the right time when Mary and Joseph bring Christ to dedicate Now, I ask you, is that a coincidence? Well, no. Not, not in the least bit. You see, God had all this plan. And God, God in His infinite sovereignty and in His infinite goodness was, was blessing Simeon. And I kind of like to say it this way. He was rewarding Simeon. He was. Simeon was faithful. Simeon longed to see the Messiah, longed to see Christ. And here God, at near the end of his life, said, I'm, I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to reward you. I'm going to let you be a part of not only seeing him, but holding him. 
We learned last week and talked about that the actual Greek word means that he held Jesus in the bend of his arm. And, 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 and look, it's, especially us men, right? Whenever our, our wives gave birth and, and they put those little babies in our arms and man, I, I, I was so, I mean, I, I, I was like you men were, okay? I didn't know what I was doing. I was petrified. Scared out of my mind. So afraid I was going to drop him. You know, or something was going to go haywire. Right? And I mean, I, but, but I remember many, you remember how you just kind of got the hang of it a little bit. And, I mean, and, and, and your, your baby's head kind of rested right there in the fold of your arm. And then, and, you know, after several months, you'd be like, okay, I, I'm a pro now. I'm a pro like carrying a football, you know? Right there in the bend of your arm. God rewarded Simeon. So when he dedicated Jesus back to God the Father and was a part of that ceremony, that prayer of dedication, Matthew Poole said, God, by the Holy Ghost, gave Simeon this special revelation as the reward of his faith and as the answer to his prayers. What was his prayer? His prayer was that he would be alive to see Christ born. And he was. God gave him a special revelation. Remember, remember, it says here in these verses that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen Jesus. He's not going to die. And, and again, we don't know how God revealed that to him. We don't know if it was an audible voice. It was in the moving of his conscience or some silent, as one writer said, some silent suggestion from the Lord. We don't know, but we know God let him know, hey, you're not going to die until Christ is born. And I'm going to let you see him. So God led him to the temple at just the right time. God allows him to hold the baby Jesus in his arms. And God revealed it to him right then and there on the spot. This is, this is the one. This is the baby. And I want, you to, I want you to notice verse 29. Would you please? Here's what he said. Notice what he says. All right, Lord. Now. Now let your servant depart in peace. You know what he's saying? He's saying, all right, Lord. I'm ready to die now. I'm ready to go. My life is now complete. You... We talked about, and since there was a film several years ago made by the same uh, phrase or expression, people today talk about what's on your bucket list. What's on your bucket list? Well, I, I, I was doing some reading this week, and, and, and I got to reading about people's bucket lists. And what I was reading listed over a thousand things that are on people's bucket lists. Now, I'm certainly not going to read, uh, but, but let me just read some of them to you. Uh, okay, just, uh, and, and I, I don't know, maybe this is on your bucket list, maybe not, to airboat across an alligator infested swamp. <laughs> let me tell you, uh, I'm 51. <laughs> Never had that on my bucket list. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. Uh, 
Go dog sled. All right, some of you have done that, right? But that may or may not be on your bucket list. Uh, I, I, I thought this was interesting. Eat fire. Um, I, I think I have done that by mistake. Uh, eating some hot Mexican food, right? <laughs> as far as literally putting a flame in my mouth, negative. Okay. Um, go bamboo rafting. Which I mean, I think I know what that is, right? Go down some raging uh, class five river in a bamboo raft. I tell you what, I'll sit that one out. All right, uh, give me the bigger raft that uh, won't fall apart when it hits the rock. But anyway, uh, go hang glide. Anybody in there ever gone hang? Okay, apparently it's not on your bucket list either. Uh, hold a shark. I thought that was interesting. Never, I'm just being honest, never really had a desire to hold a shark in my hands. You may have more power to you, that's okay. Uh, go skydiving. Some of you have gone skydiving. You are my hero. My wife wants to go. Don't judge her, don't judge her. My wife wants to go skydiving. I will be on the ground with the video camera, okay? I mean, I'm not going. I love her. I'm not going up. But anyway, uh, jump off a cliff. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Uh, like, you mean, into a, like, a body of water? <laughs> I've been told to go jump off a cliff before. <laughs> That's not on my bucket list. Ride in a hot air balloon. Some of you have had the privilege of riding in a hot air balloon. Apparently, that's, 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 that's a thing for some people, a desire. Um, I, I would like to do that if I think my nerves can handle it, and I don't think you can. But anyway, uh, rappel down a waterfall. <laughs> so, yeah, here's one that swim with stingrays. You know, I'm just going to be honest, I have thoughts of Steve Irwin. Uh, when I read that, I'm like, uh, I'll pass. Uh, here's one walk on hot coals. I, I have walked across some sand that was like heated up in July, and the beach in North Carolina, you know, and, and literally had blisters on my feet. I, I mean, could it be anywhere? I don't know. How about, how about this? CP is out on this one. I can wrap a snake around your neck. All right. Raise your hand if that's on your bucket list, all right? I'd like to counsel with you after service. Um, here's one. Some of you may have done it. Chase a tornado. Never had a desire to do that, but that's okay. Feed a crocodile. Here's one. Hold a tarantula in your hand. I'll pass, all right? Uh, I, I thought this was sweet and cuddly. Hug a redwood tree. <laughs> For those of you that want to hug, go hug a redwood tree. All right. Uh, swim with manatees. You say, well, man, they're harmless, you know. I, I get warm fuzzy whenever I think about manatees. Well, that, that's, that's fine. You can swim with the manatees if you want. Meet the president. All right. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I can put that one on a bucket list, right? Uh, crowd surf. I thought that was interesting. Let's just go ahead and start right now, okay? Let's see how I can crowd surf all the way into that. We need some bigger dudes in these three sitting right here. Okay. Um, ride a bull. I'm out on that one. Okay. And, and then last but not least, of course there were hundreds more, but uh, 
I'll end with this one, and I know you're grateful. Um, spar with a professional boxer. Now, I'm thinking when I read that, I'm thinking, I'd really like to talk to the person who that's on their bucket list, right? I want to step in a ring with a professional boxer and go toe-to-toe for three rounds, maybe three seconds. I'm kind of like, negator on that one. Okay. I don't know what's on your bucket list, all right? I don't know what it is, what big thing you want to do more than any other before you die. But if Simeon was standing right here tonight, we were to take this microphone and put it in his face and say, Simeon, what was your only list, only item on your bucket list? You know what he said? All I wanted was to see Jesus. All I wanted to do before I drew my last breath was to see the Messiah. Let me ask you a question. This is worthy of pondering prayer. What one thing do you desire more than any other? Notice with me that what was it that made Simeon's life complete? Okay. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a trip. It wasn't a vacation of a lifetime. It wasn't a promotion. It wasn't a raise. It wasn't a new contract. It wasn't a nicer house or bigger house. It wasn't a newer car. It wasn't the adoration and admiration of other people. That is, he didn't care about those things. That is not what motivated Simeon. He had one thing on his list. What one thing do you desire more than any other? David said in Psalm 27, 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple. Literally, David is saying, The only thing I want to do is behold the beauty and the glory of the Lord, and for Him to be real to me. David is saying, I think about Luke 10, 42, when Jesus said to Martha about Mary, He said, she has chosen the good part. Martha, one thing is needful, but Mary chose the good part. And that's never going to be taken away from her. What was, what was the one thing? Jesus is saying, Martha, the one thing you need is the one thing Mary chose, and that's to sit in worship and fellowship at my feet. You see a common thread here? Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Paul said, I, I don't think I've apprehended or arrived at anything, but this one thing I do. You see, Paul's one pursuit was to more fully know Christ in true fellowship and to be more pleasing to Him. So what's the lesson in all of this? What's the lesson? Here's the lesson. Keep your daily walk with Jesus your highest priority. You see, that was true of Simeon. His relationship with God in Christ, through Christ, seeing Christ, was his highest priority. Is that your priority? Is that mine? He experienced an uncommon privilege. And then finally, he expressed an uncommon prophecy. 
singing, bless them, the parents, or at least Mary, stepdad Joseph, and said to Mary, his mother, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Verse 34, this child is set for the fall, literally the crash of many in Israel. In other words, you know this, not everybody who was a Jew, not everyone in Jerusalem, not everybody in Israel at the time of Christ was excited about Jesus arriving. Neither were they excited the older he got. And the more explicit he became in his message of repentance and faith. Turn away from your dead works. We're excited about that. And it shattered their world for many of them. Their world that they had built. Their self-righteous, self-preserving, self-promoting world. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus came on the scene, he took a sledgehammer. He obliterated that kind of life and that kind of approach to living. They didn't like it. Simeon said that this was for the crashing, but he said also the rising again, the restoration of me. Don't you know, dear one, that Jesus in his earthly ministry, not to mention that that he did when he died on the cross and rose again through the message of the gospel that he restored. Jesus is the ultimate restorer. Jesus is the one who can take what is broken and ruined and wreck. I mean, absolutely wreck. And you say, man, nothing good can come out of this. Have you ever said that about something? And then he's the only one, though, praise God, that can bring beauty from the ashes, right? But I want you to know something, dear one. He specializes in that. Because Simeon said there are going to be some who are going to be dashed and disappointed. But there are going to be others who, because of him, are going to rise again and be restored. This prophecy reveals the polarizing nature of Christ's lordship. This seems to be a reference to Isaiah chapter 4, which states that the Messiah will be a stumbling block for some, but for others he'll be the one who will lift them up and cause them to rise. I love what A.T. Robertson said. Listen to this statement. He said, Jesus is the magnet of the ages. Said, oh, that means he draws everybody. Not necessarily. He draws some and he repels others. You see, not everybody's attracted to Jesus. <laughs> to the ones who are desperate. You ever been there? <clears throat> to the ones who are hurting. You ever been there? To the ones that know you're bankrupt. You ever been there? That's who he draws. Jesus doesn't appeal to arrogant people. Jesus doesn't appeal to self-righteous people. Jesus doesn't appeal to perfect people. He does appeal to people that are messed up and rock bottom and have nowhere else to turn. Here's the lesson. 
You can't remain neutral with Jesus. You're not going to, uh, you, you, gang, you're either going to be crashed and dashed because of him, or you're going to be lifted up. You choose which response you're going to have. You choose. You choose. It's up to you what the outcome's going to be. So this prophecy that he gives reveals the polarizing nature of Christ's lordship, but it also reveals the painful nature of Christ's death. Verse 35. A sword is going to pierce your soul here. This, 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 this statement used in the Greek language expresses the most pungent sorrow. Why don't you think about that? Please don't answer out loud. I was asked recently, a few months ago, several months ago now, by someone, and they said, Christian, what, what was the deepest hurt you've ever experienced in your life? I thought about that question. That's what that's what Simeon is referring to. He's addressing Mary and he's saying to her, I want you to understand that this child that you're holding in your arms, he will be the cause of your deepest hurt and pain. Why? Because God in His infinite wisdom knew that Mary would be standing at the foot of the cross 33 years later, right? Some of you mothers in here know what it is to lose a child. Mary didn't just lose a child. Mary stood there and watched as unspeakable torture for six long hours was inflicted on her first place. Ripped her soul out. She stood there speechless, <clears throat> numb, shocked. Because it's there. This obviously is referring to her watching Jesus suffer on the cross. A.T. Robertson said how little Mary understood the meaning of Simeon's words at this moment. And these words, he said, almost seemed out of place at the gloriousness of this time as they were speaking these things. Leon Morris said, not everything about Christmas is sweetness and light. You know, Jesus did not come for Bethlehem. Jesus came for Golgotha. Jesus, his final destination was not the manger. It was the cross. You see, that's what all this is all about. That's what it's always been about. Jesus was born that he might die. So here's the lesson I'll leave you with this evening. Never forget, gang. It's still all about the cross. Everything about Christianity, biblical Christianity, 
It's all about the cross. If there's no cross, there's no reason for Christmas. It's all about His sacrifice, the shedding of His blood. It's all about the gospel message. And men and women, that means that He wants us to be all about the gospel message too. We have no message apart from the cross. Paul said that unto the ones who are perishing and don't understand that the preaching of the cross is utter foolishness. But to those who are saved, it is the power of God. It's the dynamite of God. And let's go proclaim what we tell it. So I, I want to ask you a question. What's worse? Someone who doesn't know the message of the gospel, the message of the cross? Or someone who knows it and doesn't ever share it? May God wake us up to the reality that message was intended to be spoken, shared, preached, delivered all over. 